podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is TJ Wilson, a.k.a. Tyson Kidd, and you're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time for British Wrestling's sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer! Warm welcome, it's episode 65 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast, and what a fitting way, we're back in the UK, and it's wrestling royalty in UK terms to me, it's Mr. Dean Allmark. Dean has been around the business for the last 20 years, he's seen a lot of change through his time, mainstay with Brian Dixon's All-Star Wrestling for 20 years, he's seen it all, he's seen some great guys pass through over the years, legends like Jake the Snake Roberts, Earthquake, Marty Jannetty, Tatanka, they all came through All-Star way back when. He had some great stories about where his career has taken him worldwide. He wrestled in TNA and he wrestled some of the AAA guys. you get to hear about that. You'll also get to hear about his time in Japan. He's done three tours of Japan and he's got some great, great stories, especially wrestling for Wrestle 1. Dean has trained some top stars over the years. He doesn't just wrestle, he trains guys. He's trained Tony Storm and look at the success she's had in WWE in more recent times and across the independence worldwide and Sire Brookside, but to name a few. We talk more current times as there hasn't been much wrestling going on and we talk about Dean finding meditation through a tough time through the pandemic. So, without further ado, my guest for episode 65, UK Wrestling Royalty, it's Mr. Dean Allmark. Enjoy. We are back in the UK. UK guests, this is what I like. I've had a lot of Americans on in more recent times. And it is UK wrestling royalty, in my mind. It's Mr. Dean Allmark on Stu's Wrestling Podcast today. How's it going, Dean? Yeah, it's going good, thank you. How are you? All good, mate. All good. Right, first things first, before I get into wrestling, it's been I've been asking more current stuff. How has it been during the pandemic for you, mate? Uh, with me, it started off bad, but now I feel like it's act- it was actually a good thing. Um, I guess you're looking for a quick answer straight away. Uh, so yeah, it's just been a bit of a journey. How? What? In, in what? In what respects? So, so um, after wrestling full time for 20 years, um, and then that's suddenly been taken away from me, uh, and then the gym being taken away, and my wrestling school being taken away, kind of everything was taken from me, and things were kind of like slowed down and simplified and at first I didn't really handle it very well um and I'll be honest like with it being summertime and nothing else to do I was just getting pissed every day <laughs> uh, <lining laughs> I'm up. laughing um, I know it's not but it's just, yeah yeah um so yeah and I thought it was all good um but obviously it wasn't um and basically I was drinking to like numb the feelings that I was going through and then over time uh, because everything's kind of been stripped back, I've kind of, um, I've kind of had some guidance from like the universe, and um, I've been meditating a lot. I've been meditating like every night. Um, obviously, the gym's opened back up, which helped a lot. Um, but yeah, um, I've just got this feeling now that at the end of last year, I was kind of feeling a bit burnt out with wrestling after doing it for so long, and. Um, I just feel like I've done everything that I 
I could possibly do in wrestling um, at that point. And now after all this break, I feel like with this new this new attitude I've got, and um, I'd say I don't want to use any like buzzwords or anything, but with this guidance, I feel like instead of being at the end of my journey, I'm now at the beginning of my journey. Um, and it's a, the beginning of like a new journey as a new person. So, uh, so yeah, it's been... <laughs> It's been a journey. <laughs> That's how I'd describe this year. It's been a bit of a roller coaster. It started off really bad. Um, I was in a bit of a, a bad place, uh, probably the lowest point of my life, to be honest, uh, during lockdown. And then, uh, yeah, and now I feel like I'm at the best place of my life, which is absolutely insane. So, yeah, things have totally turned around. So it's almost like you had to go there to get where you where you are now with it Yeah, all. definitely. And, yeah. Uh, because I've had time to think and everything's been slowed down. I'm not thinking about, okay, I've got this booking this weekend. Uh, I've got like 10 shows this week. You know what I mean? Everything's been slowed down. I've kind of like found myself. I've had time to think. And, uh, and yeah, uh, the more I think about coincidences that have happened in my life, the more I realize that those coincidences were actually signs. And, uh, and yeah, I just feel like everything happens for a reason. And uh, without this enforced break, I wouldn't have had a break to think about this sort of stuff. I would have just been doing 250 matches this year. You know what I mean? Like normal. So, uh, so yeah, everything happens for a reason. I think it might have been the rest that I needed. Dean, I'm going to go way back now. When did wrestling training begin for you? The origins of you starting out on the, on the road? Uh, so wrestling training for me started in 1999 uh, in my hometown of Stoke-on-Trent. Um, and basically what happened there was, I'm, I'm talking about coincidences now, um, what I like to say about this one, I like to say that wrestling came and found me. Uh, I was training, in, well, my friend Robbie Dynamite had been training at a gym in Hanley, and it was in a building that had three floors. and uh, the gym was on the third floor. So I, I joined that gym in like July time, after just after I left school when I was 15. And in about August, September time, a wrestling school actually opened on the second floor, which was absolutely insane. Uh, in 1999, there wasn't really many wrestling schools around the country. Uh, there was no internet, so I couldn't really search for any. So the fact that a wrestling school just opened up in that building was absolutely insane. How tough was it in the in the beginning, Dean? Like you know, learning the learning your way around the ring and stuff. Like the early the early days of it. So uh, the early days. So the very first session, uh, we turned up, and it was just a, a matted room, uh, probably about fifteen foot by ten foot, maybe. And uh, that first day, there was fifty people turned up for this opening session, all guys. And basically what they did, uh, the trainers there, was they paired us up and they made us um, submission grapple each other until you tap somebody out. And then you moved on to another partner, submission grapple with them. And pretty much for the first day, it was basically rolls and submission grappling. That was the first day. So uh, we turned up the second day and there was probably about 15 people there uh, out of the 50 that had been the day before. And uh, on the second day, I think Keith Mayer turned up 
and that day we kind of went more over like the the pro wrestling stuff like wrist locks and bumps and that sort of thing um but to be honest like i used to do it three hours on a tuesday night and five hours on a sunday in this matted room and uh i absolutely loved it loved it from the very start like uh, i had a job in a factory at the time and uh all i could think about was getting to wrestling training and, and just wrestling that's some hours that over two days i bet you would have wanted to you know done it every every day if you could have done yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, even though, like, the, the room that we were in, it was single pane windows, and in the winter time, like, you 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 could see your breath in front of you, and yeah, uh, you're there, like, getting thrown about on these mats. But um, it definitely made you tough. But it was it was really enjoyable. I think on like the timeline for you now, I'm going to ask when was the when was the first match from training to first match the length of time because obviously it differs from person to person. So it'd be interesting okay. when you've got uh, the first match. So uh, we started training mid-99 and actually had my first match in January 2000. Who, who were you up against? Uh, one of my trainers, Chris Curtis. Um, he was, uh, yeah, he was, uh, it was his school that I was training at and uh, he gave me the opportunity that night. And I always say about my first wrestling match, it's, because uh, I do remember quite a bit of like wrestling, but that first match was pretty much in like super fast forward. Going back to the VHS tapes, uh, super fast forward, like from the beginning to the end, and uh, yeah, it was just it just flew by. Um, yeah, can't really remember much about it to be honest. It was in a little working men's club in Longton, which is in Stoke. Yeah, and that was my first match. I was away from there. When were you like on the road doing it then? Like, you know, all, all, a lot of the time, when did that come to be where you were getting booked, you know, various places? So we were, we were training at this school, uh, Tuesdays and Sundays, and they had one show every month. And then uh, what happened is about a year, a year and a half later, I got made redundant from my factory job. Um, I was never going to quit it. My dad would have killed me. But uh, Robbie Dynamite, my best friend, and Kid Cool had started wrestling for a company called All-Star Wrestling. Uh, and we always used to go to Hanley, Victoria Hall and Hanley, and watch the shows when they used to come every month. Um, and uh, basically, we went along for a trial. There was four of us. Mikey Whiplash came with us. Uh, four of us went for this trial. And then what kind of happened was... Uh, Kid Cool and Robbie Dynamite went off for All-Star and I used to come in every now and again uh, because of my loyalty to to Chris and the company that I was wrestling for at the time. Um, Chris, even though we were doing one show a month, didn't want us really wrestling for anybody else. And uh, what happened there was I did a, a charity show in Stoke for somebody else. I did it in a mask out of respect. But basically, Chris phoned me up and said, you've done a show, you know the rules, you're gone. So I'd just been made redundant. I got let let go by them. Um, Robbie had a word with the promoter, Brian Dixon, and uh, said, Dean's got nothing else on now. He's got no job. So Brian was like, okay, bring him along. And uh, and from there on, it was I was on the camps, and it was like seven shows a week for every week of the year. <laughs> Pretty much. It was like uh, from April to November, I think, the, the season was. So... In their months, you were guaranteed like seven shows a week. And then, because the shows were like midday shows, if there was a show like a town show, like at nighttime, which was quite local, 
you go along and do that show as well. So, yeah, for a 16, 17-year-old kid like me, it was just like a dream come true. I was just traveling the Butlins holiday camps and then doing all these spectacular venues like Croydon, like Fairfield Halls and places like that. It was just the dream. Like the frequency of having matches, man. I mean, when you speak to these young lads now, if they could have been doing that many shows, they were so young in your career, but it was just incredible. It was, and what a lot. What I do say a lot to people now is like, um, I kind of feel sorry in a way that there isn't as many shows as there was back then because a lot of a lot of kids these days they'll like they'll have like a, a full time like job like a real job. Uh, they'll finish like on a Friday, and then they'll drive straight to a show. They'll do the show, and then they'll come back. And they'll be like, oh, like I'm a wrestler now. That This is the wrestling experience. But to me, like the wrestling experience is like jumping in a, in a people carrier with a bunch of wrestlers and like going on the road for a couple of weeks and not coming home. You know what I mean? Or like in them days, it was just months before I'd get back home to my mum and dad's. It was just, <laughs> you leave with no money and you come back with no money, but <laughs> you'd have the greatest time going. Did you miss home? Or were you quite happy being on the road for that length of time? No, I was just enjoying it because, as I said, like the shows were midday shows. So it was an early start. It was seven o'clock breakfast. You do the ring at nine o'clock. The show was at midday. You take the ring down and then you drive to the next Butlins holiday camp. Uh, me and Kid Cool would sleep in the car. Brian would let us sleep if we traveled with him. He likes the peace. He just puts the heating on full. He has his radio too on just to knock you out, just so you don't talk to him. So, which was fine for us. So we'd sleep for like four or five hours. We'd get there, we'd shower, um, and then we'd go out to the club, which was on the camp, which was Jumping Jacks. And then we'd we'd be awake all night then. <laughs> uh, uh, we'd go for breakfast at seven and do it all again the next day. So it was uh, the only sleep that we had was in the car in them days. Who was, who was around uh, that time at All Star? Who were you getting in there with at that time? So at that time, um, you had two teams, basically. You had us that was like the holiday camp team. And then you had the town show team, which if uh, Brian would always have like the big Americans, like on the, the house show team, there was like Jake the Snake, Earthquake, Marty Janetti, Tatonka, all these guys that like I'd grown up watching were on like the town shows. So when we did the town shows, I was like, oh, just walking in the dressing room with all them guys. It was just insane. And then you had us, like, on the holiday camp team. You had, like, me, uh, Robbie Dynamite, who was my best friend since we were, like, six years old. We lived, like, ten doors away from each other. Kid Cool, who actually went to the same high school as we did. Um, and then, at first, uh, the, the fourth spot on the show, because there was just two singles matches on the holiday camp at that point, so it was normally a guy called Chris Diamond, and that was our little team. Um, we had the Midge, who was the referee, and he drove the ring van around from camp to camp. And uh, yeah, that was our our little team. And then after after about six months a year, uh, James Mason came on the team. He became the fourth member. He'd obviously at that time he'd been he'd spent a lot of time in Japan, and then he was wrestling for a promoter called Scott Conway. Yeah. And then he, he jumped back on the, the all-star team. And uh, it was when he joined the team, that's when I really started learning stuff then. Um, I remember one of the first days I met him, Brian put me on with him in Torquay, um, which was like a town show. And uh, we went in there and did like a 20-minute draw. 
and uh, I think from that day forward, like James kind of took me under his wing and and basically taught me everything there, like that I needed to know about British wrestling. He's, anybody that's ever been in the ring with James will tell you how good he is and how good he is at leading a match. So, uh, so yeah, I was very fortunate to to come across James at that point. What were the American guys like? Were they easy to get along with? Could you ask them anything? Was it? Uh, yeah, the the American guys were great. Um, uh, Jake, Jake, Jake the Snake. When he was here, he was a bit messed up. He was going for yeah, a bit yeah. of a hard time. Um, but um, like PN News Avalanche, um, yeah, uh, he was at Avalanche for All Star, but in WCW's PN News, he was always one. He was always having a crack with us and uh, and playing ribs and stuff like that. He was probably like one of the nicest Americans, and he obviously ended up moving here and. I ended up being on the road with them for years. But, yeah, to be honest, whenever the Americans have always come over, they've always been super nice. Um, yeah, I've, I can't think of one American that I haven't got along with. Just thought, I just thought I'd ask. I think what I hear of lads in the business now, some guys don't go for advice. Like the old school ideals from you guys is always go and ask these guys, you know, don't be afraid. And I think some mm-hmm. guys, some of the younger ones have had on, I think sometimes they're a bit hesitant to go up to these guys, you know, for advice. I think, maybe. Well, on the All Star team, it's a little bit different because you are, you are, you're in a car with these guys, like yeah. traveling to the venue. You're going out to eat all together. You go in the gym together. You you go to a hotel all together on a night out and stuff. So it's a little bit different, you know. And because you've got all that time, you can kind of like go to people and pick the brains over like breakfast and stuff, you know, as opposed to like an indie show where you turn up. Yeah. Uh, there'll be an indie guy there that you've never met before and you'll probably never see again. You'll have a match, you'll ask him for some advice and they'll give you some. It's a bit, it's not as personal as a relationship, you know what I mean? Yeah. As being on the road with somebody like yeah. so many times a year. So it is a little bit different, it's to different, be honest. Yeah. Just thought I'd ask, see what you, you, you know, your standpoint with that. That's what's called. Dean, the first time I saw you, right, I'm going to tell you, it was on the Wrestling Channel for TNA back in 2004. How was TNA for you so early on in your career? I'm going to, I'm going to ask uh, you to ask this, because I remember it. I remember it well, man. So um, at that time, I was only 19, and uh, it was like a last-minute thing. I only got booked to do TNA like the day before, um, and it was literally just off the plane, into the ring. Um, and my first match there was against uh, S.A. Rios, yeah. Mr. Aguilar, yeah. uh, who, who obviously I'd grown up watching to an extent, like watching him in WWF. And uh, and I'll be honest, that match to this day is still the worst match I've ever had in my entire life. It was, uh, it's a, it was, it was on pay-per-view. And, uh, and basically, like, I think the pressure got to me, to be honest. Obviously, I was there with James Mason, Robbie Dynamite, like at that time of my life, were two my my two mentors. Rob being like my big brother, James being like my mentor, and Frankie Sloan, who obviously is another mentor of mine, uh, a big character. Dave Taylor was like our manager on the team, and obviously anybody who knows British wrestling knows of Dave Taylor is absolutely amazing. He should have been wrestling instead of me, to be honest. And uh, yeah, I just went in there and shit the bed and. Uh, after the match, I came out and uh, sat out, went, found the doors, went outside and cried against the wall for half an hour. 
because I was there, I was really gutted, to be honest. And um, But I always use this story as an example that uh, the best experiences you can have in wrestling are bad experiences because they're the ones that you learn the most from. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm forever grateful for that experience. And then uh, I didn't have to wrestle again until a week later. So mm-hmm. we got to, like, have a look around, like, Nashville and have some fun. Obviously, being 19... I wasn't old enough to drink over there, which was a bit mad. And uh, yeah, I just spent the the next week just saying, like, saying to myself, like, that I'll never have a match that that bad ever again. And uh, the second match I had there was me and James Mason against yeah. Heavy Metal and Abysmal Negro, and uh, that match was ten times better. And a match that I'll go back now and think, like, I'll go back and watch it now and think, oh, it wasn't actually that bad. It was actually a good little match that one. So, uh, and then later that day, we had an eight man. The eight man went well. And uh, after the show, um, the Team Mexico guys come up to us with their promoter, Antonio Pena. And they give us a card and they were like, we really want to do this match in AAA in Mexico. Um, you four against us four again. And uh, about two weeks later, Antonio sadly died. So, uh so that bridge was burnt and we never went to Mexico, unfortunately. What an endorsement that was, though, for them to come up to you after. Just, yeah. Oh, man. Incredible. Right, I'm going to ask about Japan because I know you've been out mm-hmm. to Japan. Total different, the, you know, the way it is over there, the way they live and all the rest of it. How, how was Japan, Dean? Uh, Japan was amazing. Yeah. Um, I went there my first time. I've been there three times now and... Uh, my first time was there was in 2014, and uh, yeah, it was just it. The first time I was there, I was stuck in a hotel in Kawasaki by myself, and uh, and kind of left to fend for myself. And uh, even though I was there by myself, I just I just absolutely loved it. I'd go out the hotel, go for a walk, go for a wander, not too far because I, I know I'd get myself lost. But uh, yeah, just absolutely loved the culture, loved the place. Um, my match there went down really well for Wrestle One, and um, yeah, it, it went really good. I don't think anybody was expecting it to go that well, and uh, after the match, everybody was was saying how good it was. So um, I went back there again in 2016, got to wrestle Minoru Tanaka on that tour, and then went back the year after 2017 as well. So uh, so yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, I think the door's still open there, so hopefully I'll be back there again soon. I hope I hope you get back out there, man. How how does it differ with the crowd? Because they're more observant there and quiet, aren't they? How was it for you wrestling in that environment where we're very vocal over here, aren't we? America, quite quite the same, but they're more observant, aren't they? The Japanese. Yeah. Um, when I was growing up, like me and Robbie, we used to. Um, we used to go to Manchester on the on the train, and uh, in in the town square of Manchester, there was an arcade, and in this arcade there was the tape traders. So we went in there, and it was just a shop, wall to wall with uh, VHS videotapes, and they had um, catalogs on the on the table, on the counter, sorry, where you could go through what was on every tape, all the matches, how many stars it was, and. Uh, Rob used to get matches from like Mexico, uh, British wrestling tapes. 
Matthew's from Germany. He used to get all these tapes. And the only tapes that I used to get was Japanese wrestling. Japanese wrestling was my number one. I used to get like FMW, um, New Japan, All Japan. And my personal favorite was Mishinoku Pro. Um, to this day, like I meet people and they've never seen Mishinoku Pro. And I beg them to watch Mishinoku Pro from the mid-90s. Absolutely amazing stuff. So with me being such a big fan of Japanese wrestling, especially of like the juniors, and Mishinoku Pro, like the smaller guys, I kind of wasn't surprised when I was in that environment because yeah. I was like, this, this is just like the tapes that I grew up watching, you know. Yeah. And uh, I just feel like when I'm wrestling in Japan, like I'm at my most confident. Uh, the crowd there is so respectful and they react to the good stuff that you do and they all re react at the same time. And it's kind of fun getting that reaction from them. And uh, yeah, it's not weird at all. I actually feel more at home in Japan than I do in this country wow. in every respect. So uh, yeah, I just get the culture. I get like, I've seen that many Japanese wrestling matches that it's nothing's a shock. And uh, just the atmosphere is, is something special. Um, I say I wasn't surprised, but like when I was in there, I was like, wow, this atmosphere is something else. I absolutely love wrestling in Japan. That's cool. Going back to the tapes, what matches stand out for you even now? Maybe like a top a top three? Uh, if I we used to, literally, like we used to go on the train like every single week and we used to spend, I think the, the tapes were like a five reach or something like that. We used to spend like a hundred quid each. It was just... Uh, <laughs> Maybe, just, not, uh, maybe not a top three then, Dean. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> that's what we used to do. And I just remember discovering, like, uh, matches, like, that you wouldn't, like, they would, like, shot me. I was just like, oh, here's Sabu against Hayabusa. You know what I mean? I was just like, in in FMW, I was like, this is insane. And then coming across, like, the Headhunters, who were a big, gigantic, like, tag team. And, uh and just finding like the the King of Death tournaments with like Cactus Jacken and stuff like that. Obviously, the wrestling that I'd always watched was like going to Rill, watching like British wrestling shows with Rob, going to Vicky or watching the British wrestling, watching WWF, you know what I mean, WCW. Uh, but like just finding these Japanese tapes and and finding like the the junior, like the the best of the Super Jays, you know what I mean, and and stuff like that was just absolutely incredible. I just me remember like just getting the the bin bag full of tapes back and just just binge watching, just binge watching like all these tapes and just thinking, wow, this is like this is the best thing ever. Like I've watched all these years of WWF where it was like really character based wrestling, yeah, yeah. and now I've got all these tapes of like really really good professional wrestlers who are like really technical and. And discovering like Dean Malenko for the first time, thinking, "Oh wow, like he's he's different than WWF wrestlers." You know what I mean? It was just, uh, it really was like a special time in my life. The kids have got it easy now with the technology. This is what I always tell them. I tell my students, I say, "You've got no excuse for not watching wrestling." We used to travel to Manchester to get all these tapes and spend a hundred pounds. You got YouTube at your fingertips. I bet you wouldn't trade it for the world, though, doing that, then going to Manchester, uh, just having it in your hands physically, and then yeah, definitely. It just and watching it. When, you, when you've had the best of both worlds, that's like the best, and people my age and will understand this, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, I think tape traders and, and that sort of thing, that was like a special time in wrestling that you'll never get back now because of the internet. So 
I definitely wouldn't trade it. I'm going to ask you now, you, you were saying about training guys. I want to ask you about training and tips, tips for guys that want to get in it. And some of the guys you've trained that have gone on to do pretty well, maybe uh, that's what I'd like to ask you. Yeah. Um, obviously, like I said, like in 99, for me, it was lucky that that wrestling school came along because back in them days, there wasn't many about. Whereas now you've got the internet, there's probably a wrestling school like just down your road, you know what I mean? You probably know even wherever you are in the country, you're probably not 10 minutes away from one. So uh, it is pretty easy now. Uh, make sure that when you go to a wrestling school, you find out as much information about that wrestling school as you can. Find out who the trainer is, where that trainer's been, how long they've been wrestling for. Um, and basically, like, how experienced they are. You know, you've got Wikipedia now, so you can check them out. Uh, see where they've been um i've been really lucky with the the students i've been teaching since 2006 and i've had some absolutely cracking students come through and um people like tyson taylor who now i met in 2006 and to this day he's like my best friend he lives just around the corner from me and we travel on the road together and he's a uh, he's just a cracking lad and without that wrestling school I wouldn't have met people like that you know and um, you got you you got people like Tony Storm who who moved here from Australia to train with me and and now she's yeah. she's she's in NXT like just ruling it you know proper smashing it over there and Zaya Brookside on NXT UK the same thing she moved up uh, about ten minutes away from where the rest of the school is and she's absolutely smashing it now and uh, just so many pros like Ringo Ryan who moved to. Uh, I nearly said Australia, New Zealand. He's teaching over there, wrestling over there. So my students have kind of grown up and gone, you know, like kids and um, and become full-time wrestlers, which is, for me, like coming from like the career I've had where I've been lucky enough to wrestle for 20 years as a, a full-time pro to, to actually give that to other people to experience the things that I've experienced is, uh, is something that I'm very proud of, you know. Do you watch? Do you watch much modern wrestling? And and do you think modern wrestling gets unfairly criticised? I'm going to ask you that because I think there's a lot. There's a lot of critique from people. I think I think unfairly. What you what you'll find with people is like wrestlers will always say that wrestling was better in their day, no matter how good or bad the wrestling was. It's because at that time for them, it was their magical time. You know what I mean? It was the time where it was the best. It goes back to me with the tape trading. To me, that was the, the best time. It's yeah. better than it is now. But um, I like to think that I'm more open-minded than that. And I'll sit down and I'll watch like NXT UK. I'll watch NXT. Um, I'll watch Raw and SmackDown still. Um, I'll still keep my eye on like New Japan and, and places like that. And, I think in wrestling, you need to evolve, especially if you're a wrestler yourself. You need to evolve with the times. And I've always I've always preached being like a hybrid wrestler. Don't be like just a British wrestler or a Mexican wrestler. Do a bit of everything. That way you can you can go anywhere in the world and wrestle anybody. So, so yeah, I don't think wrestling is better or worse than it was before. It's just evolved into what it is now. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not going to be one of the wrestlers that's going to say 
in, in 20 years time oh wrestling was better in my day because i've heard it so many times and yeah. most of the time it wasn't <laughs> it's a generational thing <laughs> it is it's just it's just how it is who who do you think is going to be a superstar who's going to get shot to the moon who isn't at that place at the moment who you watch across across all the different promotions the big ones there's, there's so many. Um, like, obviously, in, in the last 20 years, I've met a lot of guys, and there's certain guys that you come through, like, um, oh, what's his name, though? Bloody, um, the guy in NXT, uh, the German guy from Italy. He's Bart, in a German tag team. Bart, Bartel and Marcus Bartel and Fabian Eichner. Fabian Eichner, yeah. So um, the first day I, mess, I, I met him, I wrestled him. And uh, when I come out the ring, I was like, bloody hell, that guy was good. And um, after after he'd been on tour with us for about a month, he, uh, we were in Skegness, Butlins. I just looked at him and said, like, there's certain guys that come come to All-Star and you just know that they're going to get signed and they're going to be like a big star. And you are going to be one. The same with Dash Wilder. When Dash Wilder came on the team, like nobody knew who he was. And uh, there was just something about him. I was just like, you're going to get signed. No problem. You can just kind of see it. Um, for me, there's people now like um, Adam Maxted. Obviously, you look at Adam Maxted, his wrestling has come along leaps and bounds. Uh, I think he's been wrestling for four years. But he's absolutely, he's just a total package now. So, uh I think this time next year, Adam Maxted is going to be one of the biggest stars in NXT UK or uh, even WWE for sure. Um, Tyson Taylor, my best friend, he's still looking for that break. He's looking to get like on the indies. And as soon as people see him, um, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with for sure. Um, Sean Custom is another one. Like you just meet these guys, you know, Sean Custom. Just really, really athletic, uh, good-looking kids. You know what I mean. He's just got all the tools. Um, Tucker, who used to be in NXT UK, he was over in the summer for us last year, so I got to spend a lot of time with him. And just the the, the athleticism of guys like that, and that that the built like Greek gods. You know, just you just think it's just a a matter of time. And uh, I think a lot of it with wrestling is. It's all about being at the right time in the right place. And uh, these guys just haven't been at the right time and right place yet. But it is coming. It's, it's just a matter of time, you know. What about um, AEW, Dean? Do you, do you watch, do you get catch much of Dynamite, AEW? Um, my son watches that more than I do. Uh, I do watch, the only. I'll be honest with you, the only things I see is like all the clips like on social media and stuff like that, to be honest. Um I'm not even sure what channel it's on or anything like that. Um, I so I should probably, ITV4, yeah, uh, Dean, on a Friday. We should be getting it live. We should be getting it live. Boys yeah. may have to wait two days. Sorry. I need to make more of an effort to watch AEW, to be honest, because it tastes like uh, an alternative to the WWE, you know. Um, and I always think when WWE have got like a, a competitor, it always ups everybody's game. So I'm really hoping that they become like at least the next WCW if not like uh, I, I think they're yeah ECW I was going to say like maybe like the new ECW but they're more like a WCW you know what I mean when I've seen the clips and I've seen the quality they are like a TNA like a WCW that um, that kind of like set up you know um, so hopefully 
Um, I'll catch more of them. But yeah, I do love like half the guys on the on the shows there. I've wrestled before, and I've got friends there. You know what I mean? So, uh, and obviously the Young Bucks, I've always been a, a big fan of them too. So uh, it's always seemed to me like wherever they went, kind of the money followed. You know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah. Hopefully, I think they're still building now, but they will, especially when the crowds start coming back. They'll they'll definitely be up there for sure. To see the roster depth now to where it was when they started it up last year, it's just incredible. I know they've taken some guys from WWE, and that gets highlighted in the news and stuff. But it's the guys they've had from other companies, MLW. You know, uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood places like that. But it's just, it's, it's the depth of that roster. I love it. I, you know, I'm very, very much uh, into it. And I think the further they go with it, you know, it's going to get better and better. So yeah, just thought I'd ask your thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always find that as well. Like when I, when I always bring up WCW and like the cruiserweights, and uh, the thing that made them so good is you had all these cruiserweights from like all over the world that. I got the experience from like all these different like territories and you mix them all together all together and it kind of brings out something special. Whereas like sometimes you have companies like WWE kind of like they'll take somebody from, from scratch, you know what I mean? Train them their way. And then you've got a hundred guys who are kind of trained the same way and you've kind of got all the same type of wrestlers, you know what I mean? And it kind of gets a little bit stale, but, but when you bring in guys from like all over the world, and all these different places, and then put them against each other, it tends to create something special, in my opinion. That's cool. That's cool. Right, I'm going to ask you about Claw now. How how much are you looking forward to Claw and getting it opened up? I know, obviously, at the moment, it's a bit like you can't do anything, but you yourself and Dave Faulkner, how much are you looking forward to opening that up and getting you guys through? Uh, when when uh, Dave got in touch with me to be part of it, I was just absolutely made up. Obviously, um, at the moment, I'm only teaching once a week, one three-hour session at the All-Star Wrestling School. And basically what they're trying to do is like a full-time school, which gives me the opportunity to, to teach more. Um, I get people asking me like, oh, can I, can I come and stay? And I feel a bit bad saying like, oh, yeah, just like catch a plane and stay in a hotel for like three hours of training with just me, you know what I mean? But if they can now, now with this claw coming along, you've got like the opportunity to train with me for like a week or something like that. So, uh, so yeah, um, I think this is the new, the new blood that British wrestling needs right now. Um, and I just feel really excited about being part of it, to be honest, obviously Dave's a great lad and, uh, anybody that knows anybody, anything about him knows how good he is at catch wrestling. He'll be teaching catch wrestling there. And I'll, I'll be definitely getting my students to attend his classes because there's so much that that you can learn from catch wrestling that you can bring over to pro wrestling, which will help you. Um, just look at Billy Robinson. Billy Robinson was absolutely amazing. And that was all from catch wrestling. So yeah, I'm really excited. Um, I just need it to get going. I just need to, to get this new year underway and, uh, and get over there. Angus, really like Angus told me to go training. I was like, I'll, I'll stick to me podcasting. I haven't got, the, <laughs> I'll be, I'd be like, I've got two left feet, me. You trying to, you trying to train me would be a nightmare. And I know that. I've got coordination issues. <laughs> you know what I mean? Years, years and years ago when the school was in Birkenhead, I did look into it when I used to get the wrestling mags. But I never, I never got myself 
to, to go and do it. But yeah, I, I, I like the fact that there's a lot more schools now for these kids that are coming through what, you know, where you can go and learn and all the different promotions now we've got here. It's just incredible, isn't it, for these young guys? It is. And I always say there's so much opportunity now for everybody, whereas I just kind of got lucky, you know. Um, again, being at the right place at the right time. Whereas now you can just go 10 minutes out your door and learn how to wrestle. It really is like an exciting time for, for business wrestling. Dean, thank you very much, man, for coming on. Really, I've really, oh, enjoyed, it. really enjoyed getting to hear about your story, the career, what's happening in the future. I just, I just going back to the start of the interview as well, just the sooner they can get these shows up and running, man, I bet you're chomping at the bit. Yeah, and, and like I said, I, I just feel like I'm starting my career again, to be honest, and uh, I just can't wait to get out there. And Yeah, <laughs> just really excited. I can't put it into words. I think, there'll, I think there'll be a better appreciation from people in attendance at like the fans and that, you know, as well. You know, because it's been gone for this length of time. I think yeah. there'll be a newfound, like a bigger appreciation for the guys and the shows, you know, when it's all back up and running. Absolutely. I agree. My guest, UK wrestling royalty in my mind, Mr. Dean Allmark. Thank you for coming on today, man. Thank you so much for having me. This episode is brought to you in association with Power 4 TV. So go and check them out for anything wrestling related, old events, new events when we come out of COVID, podcasts, you name it, it's all there at Power 4 TV. So find them across social media. Sports Social Podcast Network.